This is Athenexus, episode 41. What? Are you really doing the show without me? Yes, I really am doing the show without you. Are you really doing the show without me? Yes, I wanted somebody who can actually be here on time and actually read the show notes. I'm only four hours late. Four hours late. 6.30. That's all I ask. I think... What? I don't know. What? What is going on? I can't take this anymore. I... Grip you, man! This is Athenexus episode 41, Chew Toy Covered in Vomit, on Friday, September 7th, 2012. And now, we're even downloading books at the library. This episode is hosted by Ryan Rappersett with guest co-host Robin Pillman. Hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. So, today I actually have a guest and not my usual co-host. My usual co-host is laying about... I don't know, about 10,000 yards of carpet right now. I hope he's having fun. <sighs> so to this time I have uh, Robin on uh, as uh, not even a guest, but as co-host. So that's 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 unique and new. It's, it's a massive uh, step forward when you're entering the fray. Yeah, so you should introduce yourself. I'm Robin Pillman. I am... I am... I am here... I usually work at nights, but I do have this night off, so I'm I'm happy the two uh, help out. Yeah, I like to play video games and work and not have a social life. Well, it sounds like the rest of us here then. <laughs> I, I hope so. Yeah, I mean that fits right in with what we do and the crowd that we're serving. It's a, it's a good niche. Yes, it definitely is. Because of course, since nobody has a social life and they're playing games, they can listen to a podcast while they do that. Oh, definitely. Right, of course. So what have you been uh, doing this week? Oh, damn. Well, I'd like to start with an adventure I had at work. Okay, adventures are great. See, and this is fantastic, because this is like the day, like this is like my Friday, which is actually a a Wednesday night, Thursday morning, but it's my Friday, and I love these days, because there's always something funky that happens. It, It never fails. This week, I had a lady who, you know, she came in, and as I'm walking out of the back of the, the first level in the hotel that I'm working at, I work at the Hilton in Minneapolis. Okay. Uh, so as I walk out the back and I'm coming around through the main lobby, I see this lady, no pants, black shirt. She's just like hanging off this dude. She looks pretty floppy. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, damn, she's drunk. So walk up to the guy I'm like, sir, you know, does she need any help? Is there anything I can do? He's like, yeah, listen, can you grab a chair? Cause I think she was given something at the bar and blah, blah, blah. So, of course, I, I go back and I inform my, my co-officer and I grab a wheelchair and we wheel her up to her room with the help of a female who worked at the hotel, um, just just for the legal, like, cover your butt dealio. Right. You'd never like rape allegations. They're right. never happy. Exactly. So we get her up there and as soon as we get to move her into the bed and I place her in the rep- recovery position, which is difficult enough because she doesn't have any control of her muscles. She's just floppy. Right like a corpse. She's breathing, but like a corpse. And, you know, so I put her in the recovery position and I put like this little bucket by the edge of the bed. And as soon as I turn around, like, all right, what do you want to do to the, to the male who was one of our coworkers? She just starts vomiting. And I'm like, Oh, I love my job <laughs> because <laughs> the security officers are the ones who have to clean up after the biohazards. Oh, so great. I, had, I mean, since I'm there, you know, 
and she she barely has control over her lips. Like she can move her jaw and her you know her facial muscles, but the farther you get from her brain along the nervous system, yeah. the harder at a time of controlling it. So she couldn't even move her legs. Mm-hmm. Like we had to position those for her, and it was just a great awkward time. But yeah, so I'm there, and you know I'm scooping everything out to make sure she's got a clear airway, and she's she's biting down on my. Uh, my finger and it's like yes this is pleasant i'm a chew toy covered in vomit life is good life is good. and she had been roofland so there's nothing else you could do cool thing was is that as soon as the medics got there one of the guys the the male paramedic was like excuse me miss are you okay shakes her like he sees the way she's flopping around he's like damn that's roofies and hmm. if you go to sneaky pete's ladies even if you don't have a social life if you ever hand you know head out to sneaky pete's for any reason Except a drink from somebody else. Lesson number one. The name like Sneaky Pete's, you're going to get something sneaky in your drink. That's not cool. But that's what I did. So I was happy when I got to get away from that. Definitely. Covering myself in, in viruside, which is the medical grade disinfectant we use. I, I walk out, I smell like the stuff, you know. Got it all over my arms and my shirt and my work pants. And I'm like, yes. Only six more hours to go. <laughs> <laughs> Only six. Well, that is quite the adventure. Up for it, too. After that, I um, earlier today, I went out for lunch with a friend, and we went to Axel's Bonfire for the first time. I've ever been there. Absolutely delicious. They have, like, wonton things that are filled with with pepper jack cheese and, and another assortment of goodies that I don't really remember. But I do remember it was so delicious, I didn't mind burning the roof of my mouth with the first one. Hmm. Sounds good. And the cheesecake that I have. Oh, yes, the cheesecake. Now, you were telling me about how this is probably the best thing ever invented. It's, you know, it's, it's got to be up there, second only to the International Space Station at the things that I marvel at. Because it's smooth, it's creamy, it's delicious. It's amazing. I don't know how much of a cheesecake I am. I have a heart attack thanks to the cheesecake. I don't mind. I think that's unlikely. It varies, but, you know. Yeah, it, it could happen. I'm failing health... Uh, it's worth it. Right. Don't even care. It's like, it's like, it would be like dying at E3, you know? I don't know if that's really that much, but I think that might actually be worse. I don't know. I don't know about that. Box connect some mod, how it, Modern Warfare 3, and all of a sudden you do have a bullet hole in your chest. We didn't intend that to be the result. It works. Right. Um, that was my week in a nutshell. Every other day was just boring. Well, I yeah. think I think that day made up for the rest of them. Well, it definitely did because the entire week we at twelve percent capacity, and that's this like Thursday we were at thirty five percent capacity because the people for a conference were filtering in. So mm-hmm. it went being like a ghost town. To finally, there was at least one person that I saw, even if she did uh, vomit on my pants. Right. Well, my week was slightly less interesting than that. I um, I returned to college, so it's amazing the show is even happening. Because, you know, with all of that college work that I should be doing right now, you know, I should just totally being piled under textbook after textbook. But it actually wasn't that bad for the first week, so that's good at least. It's like back in the day when you would uh, go to class and get us, or at least I know that I went to a class and got a syllabus. I don't know, you were always like the genius, so I assumed that you were <laughs> No, actually... Um, I always got syllabuses in the classes that I uh, attended at, in high school at least, and 
even in college here at the University of Minnesota, you know, I, I still get the same kind of syllabus kind of thing. Although one of the weird things that I've noticed this year, more so than last year, is that most of the teachers, or professors, I suppose, none of them really gave us paper syllabuses this time. They they all told us to go look on the website, which, as, as it turned out to be, uh, it's a Moodle. Um, and you probably use Moodle, right? Uh, no, I use D2L. Okay, well, Moodle is kind of like D2L, but just imagine a couple of hundred piles of suck on top of it. Um, I already saw the shit was stacked up. I would do well that, you know, it's hard to top that with a cherry. Well, um, I mean, it, it's actually not that hard. I mean, Moodle is pretty bad. Um, and so it's funny. So my, my, one of my professors tells us, well, the department's making me use Moodle this year, but it sucks. And it's like, wow, for a professor to come right out and say that is like breathtaking and great. I, I very much enjoyed that. And that same sentiment was carried throughout that you know, the entire week, each professor I had, they just all hate Moodle. It's just a horrible system. So it's kind of funny. But overall, my classes are good, so I'm I'm pleased. I thought, I thought you went to the U. Yeah, I do go to the U, yep. So the U actually, like, have something that's not covered in suck and then dunked in more suck? You know, it's funny. You'd assume, like, a university would have something real and not sucky, but no, they they don't. I think they're using Moodle because they don't have to pay for it. Well, that that definitely detract from their costs. I could see, I could see. Like, I don't know how much D two L service costs, but if it's com- any way comparable to how much Infinite Campus costs, then it would be prohibitively expensive to license that out for twenty years. Moodle would be a cheaper alternative, despite how much it sucks. I suppose. Yeah, but, I mean, I go to MCTC, and that's like. That's the community college system for Minnesota. That's part of the Minsky system. Yeah, and right. All of those schools use D2L, so I'm not sure so sure why the you know the the U of M with its like what four or five campuses. Is yeah, there's a- there's a lot of them. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I, I they just switched this year to using this Moodle based system. They had Moodle in the past, but it wasn't enforced for professors. In classes, but now it's kind of being pushed, I guess. I don't know. It's terrible anyway. Maybe the board of directors needs a good laugh. Uh, it's the board of regents. Regents, directors. Well, I know, but they sound so much more regal and kingly and regent-like. See, that's, 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 I have an issue with that. I do too. Not to, like, sit on a jeweled throne and, you know, put your feet on poor grad students back for, like, extra credit. <laughs> Sure that the people who go through your system come out better prepared, whatever field it is they're going into, with a college level degree, whether it's a master's degree or an associate of the arts degree. So it's your job to not be called a regent and not have a freaking fiefdom. It's your job to sit there and be okay. How can we invest in these people? Right, exactly. And so it's not like they don't do those things. I mean, they're they're pretty good. But calling themselves the Board of Regents, that maybe wasn't the best idea. I don't know why they do that, but they do, and it annoys me. I don't know if it annoys anyone else, but I'm not a fan of that. I would I would get ticked really fast. Yeah. So, um, do, do you want to talk about some news? We have some lightning here we can talk about. Yes. So, I, I guess, um, basically what we do is we just alternate. So, I'll go first, and... Um, 
So this week, the big highlight of the week was, of course, Amazon releasing tons of new Kindles. Now, we'll be talking about this a little bit later, but I felt that I should mention this at the top of the lightning because it's big news. I mean, there was, what, so maybe five or six different Kindles released? So there was a, a basic Kindle, a fancier Kindle, a fancier Kindle with 3G, and then a Kindle Fire that was regular, and then two fancy Kindle Fires, and then one huge Really super fancy Kindle Fire. So we'll talk more about that later. That makes me cringe. I mean, you know, the, the, they've got a saying like, it's raining cats and dogs, not it's raining Kindles. Oh, it's it's raining Kindles, all right. You can just see the embers floating down. I don't like that. Especially over the Amazon, like, you should be playing with fire. <laughs> you don't want all those packages to burn down. Yeah, or just get swallowed up by the giant mass of nature that it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, they can really hold the whole forest in those, in those uh, facilities. So, joke of the week is Little Matt. It is a Pokemon clone being released on the iOS for Wednesday. And it's definitely ripe for a lawsuit. Yes. I mean, I'm looking at a screenshot right now, and it's got the exact same text as Pokemon. It's got the exact same layout. Monsters are animated in the same fashion. Uh, they even have, like, the same font going on. Yep. So, on, on that same screenshot, on where, where the little monster is that's on the right side... The, the second monster in that list from the left looks a lot like a Charmander. I'm just saying that is totally lawsuit ready. But it's not because they added some purple. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, you know, purple is the way to defend against lawsuits. I mean, Samsung shouldn't have done this, but they didn't. Coded all their products in right. purple. It's uh, a color that makes you a regent. Right, of course. Yeah, you're right, definitely. I mean, look at the fake Charmander. It's just so wrong. Well, and then and then you look at like the battle screenshots, and it's like yeah. it's it, it doesn't say level thirty six over the uh, HP points. It says level send seven beneath the HP points. Right. So it gives you the number above the HP bar. But it's like okay, so it it goes from like you know monster uses attack, and then the next screen is like here are four attacks to choose from. If they wanted to differentiate themselves, they should have had six. Yeah, they could have done something different. And everybody knows the limitations of Pokemon. Why did it have to look so basic? Why did it have to look so, you know, 16-bit-esque? They, they could have done better. I agree. I, I, well, I personally think that's endearing, like, with the Pokemon titles, because it, it harkens back to the trading card game and the original black and white uh, thing that you're playing on a Game Boy that's bigger than an, an HTC One X. So I, I mean, I know it harkens back, but I think it's time to let the harkening go and to move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would, be, that would be pretty cool. You know, attempt 32-bit work. Right. Well, speaking of lame games and lame consoles, the Wii U, we had a rumor last week that it was going to launch on the 18th of November which I said was okay because everybody would be done with Halo 4 by then. But this week, everybody is thinking that it's going to relaunch earlier, seven days earlier, actually, on the 11th. Instead of pri- and priced only at $250 with an additional $350 SKU. And now if that was true, I would say that the $350 SKU was if it was coming with the included gamepad controller thing, that joke of a device. So that's going to be hilarious in November. But it is coming out in November. We know that. We just don't know what day. See, I don't know. Like, so, um, can I just, Nintendo, listen, I I love you guys. You've done me well with games like, you know, 
Pokemon and Metroid, the Metroid series, you've done me well with those. But please, for the love of God, make a console that will actually work. That we as gamers or console gamers now have. Personally, you know, I've got an Xbox. But if you have, you know, a console that is not able to stand up to the current generation, you will not make any money, and you will fail as a company, and you will go out of existence. So what they should be doing is they should be releasing consoles with next-gen hardware, not these quote-unquote fun-looking little consoles that are more like, you know, souped-up Game Boy Advances. I mean, the, the whole the whole console, I mean, it's a good step. I mean, if, if the Wii U had been released as the Wii, you know, five years ago, it would have been okay. But now it does not match up to what we expect with the next Xbox, the next PS4, or, you know, next PlayStation, I guess. Um, it, it really is kind of lackluster and kind of boring. Well, yeah, ever since the inclusion of the, uh, like, the PlayStation Move and the Xbox Connect, you can't really, you know, stray away from any of, like, the motion-sensitive gaming stuff. But the whole fact that with the, the Move and the Connect, you've got a camera there, which lets you do so much more. The Wii still only has, like, the motion bar, and I'm not sure about the Wii U. I haven't really been paying attention. It, it essentially still just has that same motion bar, but the the big draw of the Wii U is that it has HD graphics, which is kind of squishy because it has 720p and essentially 1080, but kind of not really. I mean, it's kind of iffy at that. See, that's not a draw. That's like, oh, oh, oh. You mean the standard, oh. right, exactly have this standard. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, you pat, like reach down and you pat Nintendo on the head. It's it's no, oh, it's bad. I think that Nintendo is is slowly spiraling. Like the N sixty four to me and the GameCube, those were the two top consoles that yep. they could have. Like I don't really like the uh, the 3ds for games because well, I don't like the uh, the original DS. It's the best thing that they could have done would have been to continue with the trend of getting bigger and getting better. Right. A, a console, the Wii, that did not have next-gen graphics, and it couldn't play, you know, you could never have a game like Skyrim be as magnificent as it is on, say, a PS3 or an Xbox on the Wii. Right. You, if the standard is something that is, 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 you know, to quote you, squishy, you can't have squishy standards. Exactly. That in stone. Then you need to add extra crap that is squishy, like Xbox Connect. That was squishy for a long time. They used to call it the Natal for some reason. Beyond me, yeah, but yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, I always called that weird thing of pronouncing my use at the end, which you know, then I would not have been like the forever alone. Hey, I'm talking Natalie. Oh, really? Who is she? My Xbox console. <laughs> I... But not actually. We have some really cool news about the seven and. Took Windows XP in the market share, and Mac OS X overtook Windows Vista. Now, if you think about it, this is actually still kind of sad because it took what three and a half years for Windows Seven to destroy XP in market share. Isn't that kind of sad? I think it kind of is sad. Sad. This. I mean, it's great news, but it's still kind of sad. It's 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 when you when you release like an updated version, or if you update your OS, you release a new version of it. It should already have security in it to overtake the most rugged of your of its predecessors. Like 
Windows XP was one of my favorite OSs because it had a compatibility mode in it where I could run software that otherwise would not run an XP, you know, XP thing. Windows 7, I, I really never figured out how to do that. I never really knew in, in uh, Vista either. I could never play one of my favorite uh, space-based real-time strategy games, which is uh, Off-World Resource Base. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it wouldn't be able to play. So that's very sad that it would take Windows 7 that long, especially Windows 8 right around the corner. But at least they're doing Windows 8 right because they're going to be releasing it um, at, what, so 40 bucks? Yeah, it's $40 for the upgrade price, which is a great price. That that's fantastic. That's that's like what um, acted with its uh, yeah, and it's a very very smart move because you can get a lot more people to move over to your new operating system because it becomes affordable. Forty bucks? What? That's maybe like four hours of work at a ten dollar an hour job. That's not bad. Well, it's what's interesting too is that Windows Seven, which was in in most people's opinion probably a more significant and more usable upgrade between you know Windows Eight and Windows Seven. Windows 8 brings a lot of new stuff that people might not like, but Windows 7 was the savior from Windows Vista. And Windows 7 sold amazingly well and it released at full price. What will Windows 8 do? Now, maybe it's not appreciated by everyone yet, but at $40, it's essentially free. Because you're not, you're not paying, like, you know... 150 right. And if you can upgrade straight to the Pro version... That too is another really cool thing because it's not it's not like the base model. You're not you're not starting out with a a lesser quality or I guess a, something with fewer features because that's that's what you're going to upgrade to. You're starting out. You can upgrade straight to something that has a lot of features. Right. Very very attractive about this release. And even though you know Windows still has over ninety percent of the market share, I think that with at the way it's standing now, it comes will probably come in and take. Seven and Windows Vista portion of that relatively quickly, but it definitely won't take about three-ish years. Yeah, we'll just have to see. Huh, right? It's like gambling. Yeah. Well, before we go any further, let's just take one break for one second. So, speaking of finding out, you know, in just a few months, we might even find that we'll have a Nexus Seven. You know, one of the best tablets that anyone has released with Android on it. We might find that it has 3G pretty soon, just in time for Christmas or the holidays, as someone might say. We'll find that out very soon. You know, uh, 3G on tablets is pretty important these days. Um, We'll talk about that during the Amazon announcement, too, of course. But, you know, it's interesting that Google didn't release the 3G version of the Nexus 7 during their, you know, time. But maybe maybe they wanted to break it up a little. So that's interesting. They could be waiting to roll out the good stuff. When they have like better, uh, cool. better pre- like for example, if I can actually take off, I think that if they would release um, improved versions of with news like that, so they'd be waiting for some sort of a tactical point, yeah, to, um, to release the good stuff. But it's it's kind of foolish to wait this long to deliver a three G device in an era of four G. Well, I mean, I I think it's okay because. If you remember back to the early days of tablets, every single tablet you would buy was a 3G tablet on the carrier first, and there was just no Wi-Fi option. So the first real Android tablet was one of those, um, I think it was the Motorola Zoom, and then shortly thereafter it was the Samsung Galaxy Tab 10.1 or something. And 
you know, those tablets were great and all, but there was no Wi-Fi option. You couldn't buy it for just five ninety nine. You had to buy it for three ninety nine, but with a two year contract. So I, I don't think that it's bad. I think Google might be negotiating pricing for the service plans that the Nexus Seven might come with because you can't have you know all of these you know huge fees. You can't have a two-year contract on a tablet. That's just absurd. Yeah. Uh, well, tablet users generally don't don't want to be tied down to that stuff either. I know that with my um, Nook, which I am on because I, it's it's not there's no need to actually subscribe to anything, and that's nice because yeah. it puts money in my wallet to buy other things like cheesecake. Exactly. Oh man! Speaking of of uh, good things like cheesecake, the Twitter. Well, it's, I'm not sure if this is such a good thing, but the new Twitter API is coming out, and it's dropping support for RFS, XML, and Atom, and it puts limits on its third party clients. So, this is one of those things where where Twitter is doing what it needs to do, I suppose, to um, shore up its company and, and make itself more successful. But it's definitely going to tick a lot of people off. Definitely significant numbers. And what's funny about this particular story, now now Twitter, you know, posted this on their blog about their API changes, but today actually this so Friday afternoon, app.net, the, you know, paid like Twitter clone, uh they actually just added support for RSS into this feature set. So it's funny, Twitter's taking this away and others are adding it in. So it it's kind of an interesting battle there. So you're right. I mean, they're showing up the company, but I mean, what will they do to all the people that have supported them for so long? So we'll have to see about that too. There's, there, I don't think they're going to have a real. They're not going to have an easy time retaining people who rely on SSX because as soon as you drop support for that, you're essentially you know sticking a finger up at those people and saying, "Well, you guys can help yourselves." Well, we're when they focus on people who are you know like uh, what Twitter authorized products or, or Twitter Twitter authorized apps. Right. Exactly. It, it makes it harder for the for the end user to do their um, do their their thing. I mean, yeah, you know, granted, you know, if you depreciate the RSS support while building uh, user and hashtag based timelines, that makes sense. It does because now you can have an actual like I guess running thread. Although it's not really a thread, but it, it still have like something that feels like a running thread as that format. Yeah, it makes some sense, but. See why you would you would drop that support unless you. Well, and, and it's weird too because RSS really is simple. I mean, that's the it's in its name, really simple syndication, and everything can read RSS. I mean, there's no client in the world that can't do it. So Twitter doesn't want any client in the world to do it. They only want their approved or third party approved apps to do it. So they're closing off the walls as much as possible. And that's that's why they're putting like a, a, a user token limit, with mm-hmm. that that'll limit how many users certain third party apps can have, and in introducing that, it forces these third party apps to become Twitter certified as a product. Right. Like that's what I use to check my Twitter stuff. I'm sure that's a Twitter supported product, but if it's not, only a hundred thousand people can use that which severely restricts a developer's ability to enter the market. And it definitely restricts them from having the, uh, the support behind them to create new, better products. And that's, that's a big problem. Like, essentially what Twitter has done is unless you work with them, and there's no guarantee they'll work with you, of course, 
Um, essentially what that means, 100,000 people, if you charge five bucks for your app, you can only make 500,000 from it, and then that's over. It's over. You can't do anything else. Um, so there's there's a ceiling now. There's a limit. There's there's hard limitations with Twitter. So making Twitter your fundamental business base is now not such a good idea. And, and that's setting a dangerous precedent, in my opinion. Yes, because it is. If you're going to start doing that, and if that becomes the norm, you know, your Twitter Twitter is essentially either going to screw everybody who makes apps the rest of time, or they're going to crash and burn in a really, really hard and unsatisfying manner. You know, I won't be surprised if they do both of those things eventually. Oh, oh definitely. I mean, you can, I can easily see people leaving Twitter for, you know, alternate options because they can't, they can't make apps for it without having it. Uh, a profit ceiling. Right. Or, so I guess, you know, the ball is the developer's courts and they do have some leverage, but it's becoming less and less every time. So yeah, yeah. definitely getting the shorter end of the stick. Well, speaking of short end of the stick, you know, most computers people buy are pretty full fledged computers, but you know what? They cost a lot. Most computers that are really good, they're easily upwards of $600, you know, easily over a thousand dollars in some cases. Well, Google has the solution for you. Right now, starting this week, you can rent a Chromebook or a Chromebox for just $30 a month. And every year you have that, it'll actually go down $5. So in you know a few years, you'll only be paying $10 or $15. So if you, you know, the, the Chromebooks and Chromeboxes, that could be really great for you know, a school that doesn't want to maintain their own computers. If it breaks, you just get a new one. Or, you know, if you need a computer lab that's, you know, portable, you could just get a bunch of Chromebooks. That could be great for some some companies and some organizations. I think that, personally, I think that's amazing because you've you've made, like, a be expensive, affordable, like charging over time for it, for it instead of all at once at the point of sale. Right. It's a really smart move. And then the second really smart move is that because you're constantly paying money for it, you will have continuing support for as long as you have it. Because exactly. That's fantastic. It makes sense because schools can, can actually afford to pay uh, you know, more money over time or more resources. It's definitely a smart move by Google, by, and I think that uh, they keep up with it. It's, it's definitely going to make everything just a lot better. Yeah, definitely. So, for instance, now I know this sounds like a lot, but for 100 computers, $30 a month would be $3,000 a month. So I know that sounds like a lot, but think of the salary of an IT person that would have to manage that 100 computers. You don't have to do that if you have Chromebooks and Chromeboxes because, well, you get free support and they're managed off-site by Google or someone Google pays. So in, in, in a sense, you're saving so much even though there's this initial relatively large but actually quite small in the long long run cost so it's a really interesting and unique model for it i think i think it's a it's a beautiful way to redistribute uh the resources at your disposal so instead of putting like you know seven grand into an it person per year so that they can take care of you know these schools out of all of the schools in the district instead you're just putting three thousand dollars a month into the computers and you ship it off to a different place, and then you get a replacement immediately. Right, I mean, exactly. That's a great way to reduce costs for school, and our economy is already doing, well, floundering. Well, and it's an interesting thing, too, because these computers, I mean, most people, most teachers, they don't need much more than the browser. I mean, 
your Chromebook will do more than just the browser now. I mean, it wasn't always like this, but now it can do more than just open Google and, you know, YouTube and stuff. You can actually do a lot of bunch, you know, a bunch of different apps. Of course, you can do Google Docs. I mean, you can't do Office, but most teachers don't even need that at this point. Most organizations don't even need, you know, big, heavy-duty computers with huge processors and huge graphics. They just need a browser that can do a bunch of simple things. So Chromebooks and Chromeboxes really fit that model really well. Well, the beauty of it is that because of the rental fleet, pretty much, it takes all of the work the individual teachers to, you know, find the IT guy and get the replacement. It takes all of the worry off of the schools to, you know, where can we find a person who's qualified to keep up with the technology. It just simplifies a whole lot of things. Well, I let me that- tell you, nobody can keep up with the technology. Oh, I'd be surprised if somebody actually could partially keep up with it. Unless they listen to the show, there's no way. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Right here, I'm I'm the uh, I'm the apprentice, if you will. Professionals will definitely help you out, Mister Rampersad. Right. Well, uh, let's see here. I think uh, I think it's your turn next here. Oh, definitely. And then I like this. I do because yeah, this is really cool. By Google, I think you know they're beefing up their security by acquiring the online virus scanner first Total. Now that's our research that analyzes your suspicious files and URLs and. Now that these two companies are going to be more than partners, now that they're going to kind of like merge together when Google takes over it, the only thing that can happen is that Virus Total gets better. I mean, we we see Google right now as a as a company that already has so much potential in it. There's already so many good decisions that acquiring Virus Total and making it more available to people that's that's almost the next logical step. Now, the only thing that I can think as a downside to this acquisition is that like Sparrow a few weeks ago, Sparrow was a Mac mail client that powered that was powered on the back end by Gmail, but that had a beautiful UI on the iPhone and iPad and also, or not the iPad, but also on the Mac and iPhone. Um, so Sparrow closed and stopped all development on their Mac apps and iPhone apps as soon as Google acquired them. So now if VirusTotal was to close their online you know, virus scanning portal, so you upload a file to the you know virus total website and it looks at it to see if it's bad or not if that were to close that would be very unfortunate because just a few days ago i was sent a suspicious looking pdf i downloaded it wearily and then uploaded it immediately to virus total to see if it was totally corrupt and evil and full of infested evil viruses it wasn't but only i knew that because i use virus total so if google closes it that would be very unfortunate yeah, well, but that's, I think that's all their prerogative. I mean, this is, unfortunately, the world of, you know, free market capitalism is is a, one of cutthroat ruthlessness. Yeah. You don't see time, but whenever you have something like the, I will call it the Sparrow incident, because it just sounds cool, but if you have things like the Sparrow incident happening, and you have uh, people then forced to close down for certain companies that they're developing for because they've been acquired by a rival company, you're kind of you're, you're not only setting a bad precedent, but you're making it happen. You're making it easy to happen. Yeah, well, and it's weird too because Virus Total doesn't really have any competition. They're they're, on, they're the only virus site like this. You, there's not really anywhere else that you can upload for free a virus to see or a file with potential viruses in it to see and see what it's made out of. So it's kind that'll, of a weird place. I'll make it even more disappointing if Google does shut down for people who don't have. Um, 
their the, something that they want them to have. I guess. Right. So we'll we'll have to see about that. Yeah, I hope they don't screw it up. Yeah, I, I definitely hope they don't. Speaking of not screwing up, Facebook's acquisition of Instagram has finally ended, and it has successfully done, gone through. So it is now official. Instagram belongs to Facebook. But, of course, after the IPO, Facebook lost all their money. So how sad <laughs> for the people who uh, invested in Instagram, because now instead of getting, like, $1.5 billion or some absurd number. I think the number wasn't $1.5. It was closer just to a billion. I think that number has now dropped after post-IPO to around $750 million, which is still a, totally a hefty number and totally great. But I'm sure they're all sad and counting their pennies now. Yeah, these, will, these investors will not, not like this at all. And the problem is, like, the Facebook bubble, it's... It's what do you expect? You've got a company that's been so exclusive and so private for such an amount of time that has been that has had such a cool product, and then as soon as you know it's been exposed to the market, it prices went down. It kind of flopped. Well, now you're adding in another very successful and very well loved um, IPO, and, and it's just bad. Is, are those crickets in the background? Yeah. So I have I have my window open. So it's it's so it's funny. So whenever we do a show here in the summer, everybody hears the crickets, and like with my headphones, I can't hear them uh, I, because you know they're noise canceling headphones. But the guests on Skype can always hear them so well. Haven't you ever like reviewed your podcast and listened for them? Well, I do. So in the podcast, I hear them fine, but during live in the show, I don't. See, and that's the beauty of a seventy dollar headphone. Yeah. So. I don't know. It's weird. So for some reason, my mixer, now my mixing board is kind of a little bit old. It's, you know, hand-me-down, kind of, you know, third generation. It it doesn't convey certain sounds to me live, but when I play them back through a much higher, better quality amp, I hear everything. So it's kind of a weird thing. So I will hear the crickets when I play it back, but in real time, I don't. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we've had a lot of comments about the crickets. I, I'm glad you're uh, glad you're accepting them well. They say hello. It's, it's, it's nature. What are you gonna? Yeah, I don't I don't know. We've we've tried to get rid of them. We've we've sprayed water by them and we've rustled the bushes by by them, but they they don't leave. There is one ultimate solution. Like what is it? Closing the window. Well, okay. So I I, I kind of lied a bit there. I was making an excuse for the cricket. The window isn't even open. You can just hear them through the window. <laughs> this is like a single pane, like no screen window. No, there, there's a screen, but I mean, it's a, it's a basement security window. Like when there's a fire, you you jump out the window. I mean, the the window is double paned, I suppose, because there's like you know space in the middle for gas or something. Uh, but yeah, you can still hear them right in, right through. Those are some strong crickets. Yes, they, they yes they are. They've got to bring you a lot of luck. I I don't know about that, but speaking of beautiful things, the Windows Phone 8 SDK preview opens for applications on September the 12th. How about that? You know, and it's and it's funny because that is strategically on the same day, next Wednesday, as uh, Apple's iPhone event, which is of course when they're releasing iOS 6, which is of course when everybody will be talking about and doing and downloading. So, I don't know. What was Microsoft thinking? I just don't know. 
Um, I think they were they're trying to steal the thunder. Yeah, but I think that thunder will be stolen regardless of how amazing, I mean, <laughs> boring, uh, Windows Phone 8 SDK development will be. So, I think their plan failed. Yeah, you can't you can't really compete with that whole like uh, Apple frenzy. No, you can't compete with that. It's I I, I personally have a distaste for it because it's like oh. You have the same product, but redesigned. Well, you know, yeah, you're right. Uh, there's no other way to say it. No, there's, not really, no. It's, it's, it's an iPhone, and an iPhone 2, and an iPhone 3, and 4, and 4S, all with all the good parts smacked together and all the bad parts taken out and replaced with something else. That's a crapshoot. Right. That's, that's, that's why you have numerics on it. I mean, they should, they should seriously just be like, okay... You know, guys, I think I think we should stop naming this, you know, 1 through 6. Because what? In 30 years, we're going to have the iPhone 36? Well, we'll talk more about the iPhone a little bit later. Because next week, of course, is the event. So we, we've got our last-minute predictions and our last-minute news right before we go on Apple News Blackout. So I'll, tell, I'll talk more about that a little bit later. But for now, let's talk about Raspberry Pi. Yes. So Raspberry Pi is kind of like the entry-level tinkering at your own risk kind of free-for-all computer. So you, you basically get a little logic board that has some USB on it, that has a little processor that you can do whatever you want with. You can program it, you can put Android on it, you can put Linux on it, you can do anything. And it's really cheap. It's like $25 for the simple one and $35 for the fancier one. Well, so far, the components have been being have been built in China. But now, thanks to Sony... Uh, one of the investors, um, the Raspberry Pi organization has moved manufacturing from China to now to their home headquarters in the UK. So for the new logic boards, for the new models that are coming out later this year, all your part or some more parts, not all of them yet, but more parts, the main logic board at least, will be now built in the UK. So that's that's great news for Raspberry Pi. At least they're doing that well. So they'll probably be around for at least a little bit longer. Yeah, I like that. It's- the Raspberry, hmm. Raspberry Pi does look like a fun thing to have. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Just if you're well versed in stuff like that or not, it, I think it'd be something to have simply because. I mean, it's so cheap. You could just get it and put it on the bookcase. I mean, it's thirty-five bucks. I mean. Yeah, and and it allows you to learn. Yeah, and it's really cool. That's, that's it's a nice change from other other manufacturers where it's just like this is here for you to learn. This is here for you to use. Apple. <laughs> Snap. Yeah. It's, I like it. I do. Yeah, I think I, you I think it's I think great. You listeners should like it too. I, I I believe that you do like it, don't you? Oh I love I love Raspberry Pi. I think um it for me what I do, uh, like I like to get work done. Now, I mean I, I can't use that as my main computer obviously, but as oh. toy to experiment with, it'd be really cool. I, I don't know anything about the ARM chip architecture and I don't know anything about microcontrollers and putting Linux on a machine that small. But I think it would be great to play with. Now, I mean, I don't know how much I would do alone. I'd need tutorials. I'd need some help with it. But I would love to do it. Oh, and it opens the door to a lot of people in, you know. And if we look at this on a global impact, it opens the door to a lot of uh, third-party developers in the third-world countries that really don't have access to more expensive equipment. They can now come in and build their own products from the ground up and be successful doing it. Right. I mean, for only, you know, $35? You know, that's great. I mean, it's right up there. Now, yes. won't it be sad, though, when your mouse and keyboard cost more than the computer they're hooked up to? 
That's that's when you stand back and you savor the irony of. Yeah, stuff. that's what you do. Yep. Yeah. Like this keyboard I'm using right now. This keyboard alone costs twenty bucks, and this mouse, this mouse costs eighty bucks. So I mean, there's a little bit of uh, irony going on here already. So. I, I want to get out what a Rat Seven or Rat Nine mouse, and those are like 150-ish bucks. Yeah, this is a G700 from Logitech. It's got a bunch of buttons, lots of buttons. Buttons are cool, and it's ergonomic, which is important because I'm here all day, every day. <laughs> yeah, you definitely don't want any muscle cramps. No, no. So I think we have one more here, which is a funny one. It's, it's like Nokia cramped up a little bit, and they stumbled and they fell. Oh man, did they fall? Yeah, it's like it's like when you're running track and you don't manage to clear or land properly after you've jumped one of the hurdles and you put your face into that hurdle right beneath it, right after it. Right. Yeah, that's what they did. Essentially, they, they faked the um, optical image stabilization technology um, ad. So, like, instead of filming with an actual phone and saying, all right, this is the OIS, this is the technology that we have, they filmed it with a full-fledged camera rig. And I'm not talking like, you know, your little camcorder. I'm talking like a straight-up studio-grade camera. You can see it in a reflection in the ad. And what's perfect about this is that right as the, the main actress, the, the girl who's being filmed, is looking at the camera, she's got like one of these like closed-mouth smiles that's almost like wry, like she's looking over at something that's kind of funny or ironic. You know, she's kind of laughing a little bit. Yeah. See this giant freaking camera lens, and that's beautiful because it's it's uh, it's it's such a bad move on the part of of Nokia. I mean, you got to have a real big lap in judgment if if you're going to do that and, and not edit that out. I mean, because it's so obvious when you watch the end and they go past that, that trailer. It's a really big rig that is catching your eye because it has to sit on a rail and you have to push it forward. It looks nothing like a guy on a bicycle. Like, no. the least they could have done is, is, is cut out in each frame that image and replaced it with an image of a dude holding a cell phone in the, on a bicycle. Even if it's not the 920, it could be, like, the, uh, one of their other Windows phones. Well, and, you know, it's, it's a weird thing, too, because, like, a lot of times on TV, especially with iPhone commercials, for example, they will say, like, sequence shortened. Or something. They'll say, like, a little disclaimer at the bottom in gray text that you normally don't see, but if you did see it, you would realize that, well, okay, sure, it's a little fake, but that's the idea. Um, you know, if it said at this point in the, you know, little video that this is what I o or uh, OIS should look like when it is on, and it, like, simulated or, you know, like, not true or something, you know, like, if there was a disclaimer, people would have been less angry. But it was presented as if it was taken with the phone. So that was the big problem. Well, and, and now they've generated a really big hype bubble that has all of a sudden burst. I mean, you're like, oh, man, I can't believe that this is such a smooth thing, that it's such a, such a gorgeous-looking you know, end product for the video. Turns out the guy was riding on one of the most solid rigs that you can ride on if you're filming something. Right. Like, you didn't have to worry about what was in front of him or grip on a one handlebar. Yeah. And that's definitely going to detract from the whole, whole thing. Well, and it's funny, too, because this is the Lumia 920. This is the next generation, you know, Nokia phone. But more importantly, this is the first generation Windows 8 phone from Nokia, which is the flagship phone series from, you know, that, that's going to be on Windows uh, phones in general. And 
normal consumers, they'll never see this video, probably. Most likely, they'll never even notice this. But all of the tech press now that's that's so negatively viewing this, it's going to affect this entire launch until the next big launch. So it, it's kind of a bad move. Oh, yeah, they definitely dented themselves. Yeah. But, you know, to, to their... To their credit, the commercial was a really good commercial. The music was fantastic. Now, and of course, even if a normal consumer did see this commercial, they probably never noticed that it was fake. I mean, when I saw the commercial before all of this exploded, I didn't think of anything. I didn't think of it at all. I didn't assume it was fake. I assumed it was just a nice camera. Like, I I probably wouldn't even notice it. It's just irrelevant to me. I almost never take video with my phone, so I, I don't know. It wouldn't have affected me either way. Yeah, but the problem is, is that like if if you spend time like doing video editing, like I I I've made videos and I've spent a lot of time editing and worrying about camera placement because of the reflections. Oh right, of course. Like if you spend your time doing that, that's going to be an issue that you can spot almost instantly. So you know you have yes, you do have the standard consumers who just are ignorant of that, and that's not a bad thing. I'm not calling any of you ignorant. I'm just saying you don't know about it. That's what ignorance is. But you then have the people who are educated in this, the students who are, you know, going to art and design universities for uh, video pro- video stuff and video production. They they see this and they're like, oh, this is definitely not good. They start talking about it. Then the press picks up on it. Okay, now you've just made one of the biggest mistakes in your company's career because you didn't look ahead to think, hey, maybe this might bite us in the ass. Yeah. It's... Uh, terrible but the music was redeeming so so that's good at least yeah at least that yes well that was good lightning i i enjoyed that so normally you know we would go right into plugs here but this is also right where we would talk about a sponsor but of course we don't have sponsors here (laughs) Ah, well that's good because it lets you stay independent and not you know not have to do too much to please yeah so Oh, if only we had a sponsor. Not really. So anyway, why don't we talk about some plugs? Now, you, you have a plug. Well, we'll start with your plug. Yes, my plug is Deck Builder. Um, it's an app that I personally love. It's a deck building app for um, Magic the Gathering. It is fantastic in that it lets you look through every single card and every single set that's ever come out, and you can add it to your collection. You can then digitally build a deck and play it and see how that deck would play. Wow. So you can put in your, you know, standard 3 to 1 ratio of, of uh, to other cards or 2 3 ratio or however you play and you can see how that will play and just and just simply by constantly drawing and placing cards down. Right. That sounds great. Super useful and it I use it to mainly catalog all of the cards that I have. Now, the only issue that I find with it is with the uh, Mac app store um, that I bought it on problem is is that because I, I bought it a while ago and something must have changed but I can't update it because it says that it was purchased on a different account than what I currently have active and it's such a pain in the butt because I can't actually rebuy it under this account right and that's the only thing like I'm not going to get support for any of the new blocks coming out which is very disappointing but it's still an app that I would recommend to everybody who does play Magic simply for the fact that it's useful in maintaining your collection and building decks without having to sort through cards. That is a great pick because, of course, you know, some of us here at the, you know, at the studio and, of course, most of the Nexus members, 
one way or another, we play some kind of card game. I know Matt and I play Magic, and Sam does too sometimes. So, I mean, this could be really useful. Oh, it's... Let me tell you, it's it's definitely made it a lot easier for me to know what I have. So if I need to make good trades, because you can click right through, um, and it'll it'll tell you like the physical prices, high and low prices for these cards, and the digital cards they currently have. And you can like uh, click on a button that sends you through to a store at uh, Magic the Gathering uh, Trading. It's MTO tra- MTGO Traders dot com, and you have. This, uh, this card, if you if you wish, so it's, it's it's definitely a lot more than a cataloging software, and it it, it lets you interface with the marketplace. So uh, I have to ask, of course, uh, does it is it only a Mac App Store, or are there other apps for it also? Um, I think I'm not sure if it is a Mac only thing. I, I doubt it is. Um, can play. Oh, okay. So there's an iPad app and there's also an Android app. So that's good. This the but the app that I have though is for the MacBook. Yeah. They are gonna have a uh, if they have like a full fledged Google app for. If they have a Windows app, um, that they they they'll kill it. They'll they'll win hands down. It's just it's just such a beautiful thing to have. Yeah, definitely. That 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 can be really useful and it looks great. And I didn't even buy it yet. But you will probably. Okay. Very soon. Well, so, I mean, I, 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 I do tend to organize a little bit more than just cards, and so my, my plug of the week isn't, isn't just organizing cards, it's organizing notes. Now, I don't take notes on digital devices for school because, like, it just doesn't work for me. I take notes, of course, on the stuff I talk about here. So when I'm out and about and I'm reading a story on my feed reader, uh, Sometimes I'll come across a story that I'll either want to write about later on the blog or talk about here on the show. And so one of the apps I use to do this is called SpringPad. Now, SpringPad was introduced to me a few years ago when Chrome bundled SpringPad as one of the default demo apps on the Chrome Web App Store thing that's now name-mangled. But basically, SpringPad is just kind of like Evernote or SimpleNote or any note-taking app you've ever used before. But I really just like it because it has direct integration with Google, which is, you know, great automatically. Uh, So a bunch of the things that it does is basically on your Android phone, you can just, you know, right-click the uh, menu button and go to Share 2, and then it'll let you – it'll pop open a little window on top of whatever you're viewing, and then you can pick a notebook to where you want to put your, you know, spring-padded item. And then, of course, you can add tags to it, and you can add other notes to either the link or the image or whatever it is that you're saving. And, you know, it's it's totally free. It's really great. Uh, I use it all the time. Uh, one of the other things that I like about it is that you can share notebooks and also individual spring-padded items to people. So if they also have a spring-padded account, but even if they don't, you can share items just by links to those others, which is also really nice in case, uh, you know, you're working on show notes collaboratively. You know, that's what we do here, of course. So uh, this this app is really good for that. And, of course, they have the Android app. They have a web interface. I'm pretty sure they have an iOS version, too. That's super cool. That that must, that does explain how you manage to keep everything so organized. I, I do try. So for the show notes here, we, of course, we use Google Apps. We use Google Docs to do individual show 
documents. That's where we have our list of ordered links with little descriptions and stuff. But throughout the week, for personal stuff, um, for, for for my personal blog that I that I do for the link blog there, and then of course for a lot of those links also just go into the show. I mean, it's it's really handy to have. Now I've tried other services. I've I've tried Evernote, and I just found it too complicated because I didn't like all the buttons and I didn't like all the stuff. Springpad is just simple enough for me just to open and then close and then open and then close over and over again. So it's, it is really nice. That, that, that sounds fantastic. I think that if you've got simple but powerful, you've got a winning formula. Right. So, I mean, it's a little bit more general than your app for cards, but I mean, I wouldn't organize, you know, 10,000 cards in spring pad. That just wouldn't make sense. But if I was organizing notes about what, cards i wanted to trade this week or what cards i should get i might use this app for that yeah that'd be a better choice right so it's it's really nice so together our two apps of the week uh they they go to they go together pretty well that's the toolkit right there yeah we just did the work for you guys right so when you're when you're playing magic and you find a winning strategy with your deck of cards that you made with uh the uh Deck, decked Builder app, when you find that winning strategy, you put it into SpringPad, and then you'll never forget it. You'll just remember it forever. I, I, I do believe that you can... Um, huh. I always felt like you could actually share your uh, deck library. Well, that sounds pretty useful, too. I'm not sure if that's the case, but if it is... Yeah, you can export it um, to Magic the Gathering Online as a text file. That sounds good. Text file. That is very useful you can also email it so that's if you, if you do come up with uh, winning strategies be sure to send us an email <laughs> of course definitely more ways to do good things huh? yes always well that was that, those were those were great plugs so I, I suppose we can go on to our main topics now yes so do you do you want to start with the apple stuff first or would you like to do the amazon stuff first let's let's address amazon because sometimes uh Okay. Let's just let's just do this cluster cluck right now, and then then focus on the Apple deal. Okay. Well, so to, to start, Amazon had their big event of the year this week. So that was actually yesterday, Thursday. At least that's what we're calling it. And so, did you did you uh, read any of this Amazon stuff? Yeah, that that initial uh, Verge article. Yeah. So they they did a lot of stuff. I mean, there's there's a lot to, lot to talk about here. Uh, so I guess we can just start with the most basic of all of it. There was an Amazon event, and it was an hour and a half long, and there was a lot of stuff in it. See, uh, first of all, calling it an Amazon event... Does that, sound, does that sound familiar in any way? I don't know. I think that maybe there's something with an I or... Yeah, something. I don't know. Um, there's got to be a product that that reminds me of. What is that? I I, 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 I I couldn't put my finger on it, but if I if I had to guess, I would say Apple. Yeah, that sounds of something like Apple would do. I, I, I don't know. Maybe um maybe Apple is totally stealing it from Amazon. I don't know. Actually, no, I don't think so. They probably went you know back in time and and did something because I would assume that Steve Jobs was nefarious like that. Well, I mean, if anybody invented time travel, it was obviously Apple. Yeah. Well, so let's let's start with the most basic of all of the announcements from yesterday. The the regular boring old Kindle. It, it got an update. Nothing exciting, although its price dropped by ten dollars. So if you want to read on just a regular black and white e ink Kindle, you can do it for ten dollars cheaper. 
So, I mean, that's good, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to make it more affordable. People I mean, it's it's so cheap, $69. Uh, it's so cheap that if if you had three kids and you needed a gift for each of them, you can just, just buy three Kindles, and that's that's great. I mean, everybody can read now. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, and what's cool about it is that they, uh, in dropping the price, not only making it more affordable, they've also made it more accessible. So you right. can have, well, more people are able to purchase the Amazon product, but I don't know if they will. Well, I don't know if they will either, but the theory is that it's so cheap now that giving it as a gift to someone, like, most it's, people don't give expensive gifts to just friends. But yeah. now the Kindle is so cheap that if you you know your friend doesn't have a reading device, you can just give it to him. It's so cheap. Yeah, but you got to kind of hope that they don't feel offended. What? They they don't read enough? Well, not that, but that it's just a black and white e-ink thing that you know, because they're having problems with e-ink like freezing in place and Yeah, most of those issues are pretty much over now. I mean, and and if that does happen on your Kindle, Amazon's so good about returns, it's not a big deal. They are. I have to give them that. I just feel like, well, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about e-ink readers. Um, my well, maybe I can make you feel better because the next Kindle up from that is called the Kindle Paper White. That's right, Paper White. That that I don't I don't. Well, that that name is interesting. In what place. okay? What are, what are your thoughts on the name? Can you make any sense of the name? Well, paper is white. Okay, good start. The Kindle will not be white, I'm assuming, but that's sure if that works. Well, so here, it actually turns out that paper white really makes no sense to me either. Uh, so the, the here's what the features are of paper white. Uh, you, you've got to hear this to believe it. There's light in it. That's right. There's light in it. Oh my gosh, you don't have to buy external ones anymore. I'm so excited. Yeah, exactly. So the Kindle I have, it's a Kindle third generation. I I had to buy the extra $69 case. So let me put this into perspective. On my $120 Kindle at the time, that's how much it cost at the time, $120, or $119 with $1 extra for tax, or who knows what. Uh, I had to buy an extra $79 or $69 case that had the light built into it. Okay, so do you see where this is weird? I had to pay $120 plus $60 or $69 to get a light. So that's like a Kindle plus another Kindle now. Isn't that funny? So the light technology is really cool, uh, actually. It, it, it's using this weird imprinted screen technology. So instead of having just a light at the top corner or the top side or something... It, it, it spews the light into a mesh of perforated holes or something in the screen so that the light bounces towards the Kindle e-ink surface and then out to your eyes instead of just going out to your eyes. So it, it's being kept localized on the screen more so than on, on, on the Nook, for example. So it is a really cool technology that they're doing with it. That will definitely make it easier for people to read because if if you change it from just being side lit where you might have issues with that to all of a sudden being backlit. Well it's not even backlit, it is side lit, but the light is kept on the surface instead of just bleeding out. That that that's 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 really cool. I think that's probably one of the coolest parts of a, of this um, paper white. Yeah, paper white. Isn't that just ridiculous? I didn't well, say that I feel like, you know, paper white, paper cut, like 
maybe not the, the coolest association that you're going to have. Well, so the joke I've heard is, imagine you're Australian and trying to say paper white. <laughs> so that's like paper white, paper white, which is like paperweight in everyday use. So, you know, I don't know about that. That's perfect. I, I, that's the joke I've been hearing. So, um, oh, that's, that's a good one. Y- yeah. Well, so the paper white has this light in it, of course. And so you'd assume, right, that the battery life would go down significantly, right? Because there's a light in it. Didn't it? Did it go up? Well, so normally a Kindle can have a charge for about like a month and a half or maybe even two months if you really never like turn Wi-Fi on or, you know, you leave it kind of just sitting there. I mean, if you don't read a lot, you can get a good month and a half of battery out of it. Well, turns out with this new paper white light, you can get an astounding six to eight weeks of battery life, even with the light continuously on throughout that whole time. That makes sense. I'm not going to say that I'm impressed because if it's only side lit and it hits like a, a mesh that works like fiber optics to control and redirect the light, that does make a lot of sense. It, it is. I think it's impressive considering the Nook's, you know, not mediocre life, but their battery life wasn't nearly as impressive. Oh, it's no, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it, it's any time a battery can last six to eight weeks when it's emitting light, I'm impressed. Yeah, well, for continuous emitting, that that's... That's, that's pretty cool. good. So what do you think the pricing, of course, is on this paper white Kindle? You know, if, if I would have to choose for a price to pay for that, I would I would probably say that I would feel comfortable paying like 130 120 bucks for it. Right, and so that's what I thought too. Well, I'll have you know that it is 120 bucks or 119 in reality, but that's, you know, round up. Uh, so that's that's a great price and that goes that goes back to the price of the Kindle third generation from 2009, I believe. That's that's when I bought mine. And uh, yeah, it's a great price for a really capable Kindle. And of course, this Kindle incorporates touch screen technology, so you turn the pages either by swiping or just tapping. So, I mean, it's pretty nice. That's awesome. And of course, if you really wanted 3G with your Kindle Paper White, you could pay an extra fifty bucks or extra sixty bucks to get the 3G version for one seventy nine. I mean, who That's... who who buys 3G Kindles anymore? That's ridiculous. I would I would hope nobody because if you go to a public library and use their public Wi-Fi to download a book that you could have just gotten at the library, how funny! I know it's, it's beautifully ironic. It but, is, but it's it's an, it's it's the unfortunate reality, I suppose. Yeah, you know, I was caribou for a couple of minutes. I mean, if you didn't if you didn't if you don't like feeling ironic, then you go to caribou. But I think I think it'd be awesome to stay in front of a library and like oh, I'm just here to once it. Uh, it Right, cool, I got my book, thanks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that is kind of funny. Well, and so then the announcements don't even stop there. So honestly, it just gets better. Yay! So so now you, you've heard about the Kindle Fire. Yeah. Have you ever used the first-generation Kindle Fire? Not. I would assume that it was not a pleasant experience. It, well, well, from what I hear, now I've never used it personally either. I hear it wasn't a very pleasant experience. It was it was slow. The UI was clunky. It was missing obvious features. Um, the, the the power on button. So on your cell phone, your your um, HTC One X, right? Where's the power button? How do you turn your phone on? Where is it located? It's on the top right side. If you're looking at the screen. Okay, so now let's say 
your phone is a tablet because you know it's almost big enough to be a tablet. When you put the phone flat on its side on the table, so the bottom is touching the table, does your phone turn on or turn off? No, and if it did, I would be very concerned. Okay, well, here, let me tell you a cool story. Let's say you had a Kindle Fire, and you put it flat down on its bottom side on the table. Well, guess what? If it was off, it would turn on, or if it was on, it would turn off. You don't want, you want to know why? Here, let me tell you why. Because the power button was stupidly put on the bottom of the device. Why? Because they had no idea what they were doing the first year they were doing this. Shouldn't you look at, like, successful phones and be like, oh, hey. That's obvious. Yeah, well, that's what you should do. Well, let me tell you. They, they've made improvements. So that is no longer the case. The, the button is no longer on the bottom. It's now on the side, I believe. So that's good. At least Amazon learns from their mistakes. Well, yeah, but it took a while. Well, you know, a whole year. Yeah, but that's, I mean, what you should be doing is you should be apologizing and, like, here's, a, here's like, a little bumper thing for your phone, for wouldn't, your, uh... Wouldn't that be funny? Well, yeah. Well, so, this year, the uh, Kindle Fire line up has now been extended significantly. So, there's a new Kindle Fire. Now, let's just... So, it, it's essentially similar to the previous model of Kindle Fire, except it has double capacity from, so, from 8 gigs to 16 gigs, I believe. Uh, double memory, so from, I think it was 256 to 512, but I'm not entirely sure on that. And um, it, the battery was also increased, so from like 5 hours to 10 hours, or some better battery life improvement. Some, yeah, some, some nicer numbers. So uh, it's, that's the basic, most simple Kindle. And so this most basic, simple Kindle fire is priced at, guess what? Oh, of. Uh... So you can buy a totally boring and useless tablet for $159. Now, thinking in terms of people who, you know, might not really need a tablet or, you know, are are being cheap, you know, that's a good deal. I mean, if you just just want to buy something, sure, why not? But for just $40 more, why not buy the Kindle Fire HD version instead. So what does the Kindle Fire HD bring for you? Well, um, it comes in three variants. It has the uh, 7-inch tablet, which is 200 bucks. the 8.9-inch version, for some reason, which is $300, and an LTE-equipped version that has starting price of $499. Right. So now, so from one, one step up in this HD name, there's three varieties even. So you need a way to distinguish between those even. So you've got the HD 7-inch, which has a resolution of 1280 by 12 or 1280 by 800. So that's essentially 780p, which is fair enough to call HD, although it's not full HD, I guess. It's, it's good. Not the standard. Right. So it's a good try. Um, but, you know, for only $199, you are getting pretty good. Um, it, it has stereo audio, which is an improvement over the original Kindle, which only had one speaker, so that's good. Um, it has improved Wi-Fi, so it has dual-band Wi-Fi, so you can use 5 gigahertz and 2.4 gigahertz, so that's, that's good. Um, but, you know, you know, it's not an exciting tablet, it's just a tablet. You know, yeah. it's a Kindle Fire. Well, then you have, of course, for $100 more, the 8.9-inch. Now, it's a weird size, right? 8.9? Like, where'd they pull that number out? Why not just make it a full 9 inches or something? Yeah. So it's kind of weird. Uh, and so that tablet actually has a full 1080 resolution. So it's actually 
1920 by 1080. Uh, and it has a 1.5 gigahertz processor, so it's actually pretty fast. It's a dual-core processor. Uh, so it's actually a really good tablet um, for, for, you know, only two ninety nine. I'm feeling impressed by that. I mean, granted, they only increased the screen size to just squeeze out enough, enough you know, pixels to be sitting in there. But with a dual-core processor and a better screen, that's going to make a big difference. And, and what's interesting about that, too, is uh, the resolution of the third-generation iPad, so also known as the iPad 3, which is what every sane person calls it. The iPad 3 has a resolution density of 256, or 264 pixels per inch. The Kindle Fire 8.9 inch, it has 254. So 264 for the iPad, 254 for the Kindle Fire uh, 8.9 HD. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's very comparable. The, the text will look almost identical. Uh, between the two, if they use the good fonts, anyway. Um, so, I mean, it, for two hundred dollars less, that's a pretty good deal. It's a very good deal, actually. You, you you essentially get yourself a Retina display, non iPad. Right now, the the problem though lies not in the fact that you're getting a Retina display; it's the fact that it's a non iPad. I mean, yeah. kind of a problem. Unless they've got good app support, which I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. No, not not really. It's Android. There are no apps. I'm a well, at least, uh, like, for a Kindle e-reader, like, I've got a Nook, and they've got very limited apps, but I only really read books on it anyways. Right. Well, and, and Kindle Fire is kind of in a weird position, so it's not even positioned to read books. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a 16 by 9 device, so it's it's wider. Well, I mean, I guess it's taller than it is wider if you hold it in portrait, but it's so thin in portrait that you don't have a lot of line length unless you make your font really small. So it's not even positioned to read. It's positioned to watch movies and stuff. So it's kind of weird. Oh, well, you can, well, I I would say that on my, on this nook that I'm holding right now, it's good for both, but yeah, these extreme screen ratios aren't, aren't good for books. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. That's why the iPad has been true to four to three ratios for so long. So, that's interesting. So, of course, we haven't mentioned the 4G variety of the 8.9 HD Kindle Fire. So, the the the, the biggest and most expensive one is 4.99, and you get uh, 4G with it. But now, here's the kicker with that: service for your 4G Kindle only is 59 or 50 dollars a year. Well, uh, sorry, I pay 50 bucks a month for my 4G LTE. So that's but but here, let me ask you: how many gigabytes of I don't know. Bandwidth. Yeah. How many how many how many gigabytes do you get on that? Five gigs. I don't even use that much. I'm, I'm thinking of changing down to three gigs. Well, It'll still be like three bucks. Right. So so what uh, what provider do you have? I use AT and T because I get a great employee discount. So. Oh, that's great. Well, conveniently, uh, Kindle Fires also use AT and T for their uh, service. So here's the deal: for fifty bucks a year, you get two hundred fifty six megabytes per month. Now I know that sounds like none. Because, like, if you round down, that's closer to zero. Um, but for most people, if you're just reading, like, the news, you're downloading, you know, that morning's newspaper or... It's, it's a reasonable price for, for text. You stuff. know, you, you know you, you're not going to be watching movies on 4G. but And you're not going to be streaming music on 4G. But for most people who are, you know, just normal, 
like you know not us i mean um 256 i mean 250 megabytes is perfectly reasonable so just to put this into perspective even myself and now i'm an extreme user i've used since the 9th of last month i've used 187 megabytes on my phone and i'm a heavy user and i i mean i of course i just do text i read the news continuously throughout the day every day I mean, I don't even use that much. So 256 megs, I mean, it could be a little bit tight, but it's pretty good for only 50 bucks a year. That's, that's yeah, that is fantastic for four bucks a year, or 50 bucks a year. Yeah. So what does that come out to be? So 50, let's see, divided by 12, that's about $4 a month. So, I mean, that's great. That That's a wonderful price. Yeah. So, I mean, and that, that that's what, um, that's the, uh, that's the Amazon event in a nutshell, I guess. I'm not so sure that was much of an event so much as it was like, hey, we've got all of this, except it's got a little tiny variation on it. <laughs> right. Well, so there's there's some more with it. Of, of, of course, we, we found some stuff after. So prior to the event, The Verge, Neelai Patel, um, said that there was definitely a phone being worked on by Amazon, and they had confirmed it. They had confirmed a phone. They didn't confirm that it was going to be announced, but they confirmed that it existed. Turns out, didn't get announced yesterday at the event. So, leads one to ask, where's the phone? But now that we know about the the tablet with 4G, uh, priced at $50 a month, or I mean $50 a year for 256 megs a month, you know, maybe they could do the same thing with a phone, right? So, I mean, $50 a year for your phone? Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be pretty epic. Um but then the issue is how much how many how much bandwidth would they give you per month? I think they would probably give you the same bandwidth on your phone, so fifty dollars a year for two hundred fifty six megs uh, on your uh, phone. But then the question is, what are the minutes for like talking, and then what is the text messaging rate? So I, I'm thinking it probably wouldn't be fifty dollars then. I'd probably be closer to um, I don't know a hundred dollars a year. So for a hundred dollars a year. Uh, 100 divided by 12 is about $8. So for $8 a month, you could have, you know, unlimited texting, you know, like 500 minutes on the phone and 256 megs. That that's that's still impressive. That I think is. that sounds great. I mean, if they could pull that off, I would be very impressed. I'm I'm pretty sure that would essentially replace like those pay as you go phones. It would definitely would. Yeah. Because then, you know, instead of paying like track phone 10 cents a minute and you talk maybe, you know, you talk a lot on your track phone and you're paying a lot of money for that. And you can switch over to this and save cash. Right. So, I mean, that that sounds like a great alternative if Amazon ever does it. So, for 100 bucks a year, you get a phone. That's great. I like that. Yeah. I think it might be doable. Yeah, definitely. As the technology gets cheaper. Right. Yeah. More yeah. So also, um, you know, we, we got like five or six new Kindles. Now, now of course, we all know their prices. So there's a four ninety nine, a two ninety nine, a one ninety nine, one fifty nine, one nineteen, one seventy nine, of course, and also sixty nine. All of those Kindles, every single one, they all have ads on them. So not like when you're using it, but when they're asleep on the lock screen, I guess, they all have like a special offer. So you know, you can get discounted tickets to hot air ballooning or buy $3 in the Amazon MP3 store and get an extra one free, you know, special offers. That's what they call it. So so for everybody who can't see what I'm currently doing right now, I'm pinching <laughs> my nose. I'm, I'm pinching the bridge of it because my head kind of hurts 
that you would actually be forced to pay 500 bucks for something. And get ads. And then have constant ads. I mean, Amazon, smart. Very smart. Yeah. And I'm not being ironic at all when I say the word smart. I actually am, but you probably figured that out by now. Right. Well, it's an interesting thing, too. So as you say, $500 to get a product with ads that you can't even turn off, even if you want to pay more to turn them off. I mean, aren't we already constantly barraged with ads to the point where, like, I, I personally, if, like, an ad comes up on YouTube or if it comes up on, like, Hulu, if I need to watch a television show, I'd just, like, mute this, mute the thing and go and grab, like, a bowl of cereal. Right, like, exactly. So, that is... That's kind of jumping at me out of my tablet that I paid 500 bucks for. It's not even free service. Eh, not feeling too good about that. Right. So, it, it's kind of a weird thing. Now, of course, this could change. I mean, they could eventually offer a method to turn it off if you pay, you know... T- 10 bucks, 15 bucks, or whatever. So that might be good, too. Personally, on the Kindle, um, the regular Kindles, the e-ink Kindles, the ads don't really bother me because they're just on the screen when you're not using it. So, I mean, when you're not using it, it's usually in a bag or on the desk or in the other room under some clothes or something. So, I mean, that's reasonable. Now, on the Kindle Fire models... On the lock screen, that kind of does mess with me because I usually like my lock screen to have some nice colorful art on it. So, I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. Well, it's. I, I suppose I'm being really German about this whole thing, but I don't think that that's... Like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing that. If somebody is, like, paying for something, like it's, it's, it's like buying a, buying a car and then, you know, you've got constantly ads coming out of your steering wheel. You know, it's, it's, it's not right. Right. Just breach that that unwritten code of like I paid for your product, I've given you some money. Now you don't screw with me. Right. Exactly. Well, and so we also have uh, for Kindle and Amazon related news. We also found out that Bing, that's right, Bing, and not Google, is the default search engine in all of the products. So if you buy Kindle Fire now, and you do a search in the search box you'll get Bing results and not Google results. So isn't that interesting? Uh, well, let me, just, let me just say that I'm glad that I have a nook in that case. <laughs> so you're really that against Bing? Well, I don't, I don't like Bing because I guess I haven't used it. I've grown up with Google this entire time, and to me, Google is, I mean, that's the search engine. Yeah. It's just what it is. It's because that and then Google has integrated all of its web service, YouTube service, you know, that, that's really useful to me. It makes a lot more sense that if I've got a Google account, then it would be easier for me to search something, you know, get it, share it to my, you know, my Google Plus accounts, to my, you know, if I find a cool video, I could, you know, mark it to be a watch later in my YouTube account. It just seems like it would make more sense to stick with Google because of the way that Google is such a massive um, social network search engine-ish kind of a deal. Right. Bing is just, you know, it's called the smart search engine, but I don't know why, because if you... It's just a search engine. I mean, if, if, you, if, you ask, if you ask people who are considered geniuses what search engine they're, they're using, I'm pretty sure they're going to say Google. I mean, I don't know if a genius really even cares what search engine. I mean... I hope they do. Well, I know, but I mean, what I mean is, I don't think they're a genius because they use a specific search engine i think they just use whatever works for them and that'll probably usually just be google yeah yeah well, i can like the smart choices right you know? well i mean so most of the time i always just use google occasionally i do use DuckDuckGo as an alternative um 
So one of the problems with Google that I find is that if I search a place once, Google will alter the results of similar searches to that in the future. Now, there are cases where I don't necessarily want that to happen, uh, such as, and particularly, when I'm searching for my own name. Um, if I want to see what I've written or what, I, what, what the Internet thinks of me at a particular time, I don't necessarily want to see skewed results, so I'll use DuckDuckGo in that particular case. Or when I want to just find interesting results that I guess Google just doesn't prefer to tell me about. Yeah, that I mean, that is an issue, but... It's just an issue that hipsters have, I guess. <laughs> Too cool for school. Right, something like that. Maybe, I don't know. Too cool for Speaking of hipsters, why don't we talk about Apple? Because, you know, there's an Apple event coming up. Yeah. Uh, so Apple. so you you know about the iPhone 5, right? It's coming yeah. out? Yeah. So what do, you, what do you think about it? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Your listeners are going to hear those crickets in the background and know that those are my thoughts. I don't... <laughs> I mean, for me, like, the Apple iPhone is an overpriced, oversimplified piece of hardware that's always going to change, and it's never going to be good enough. You know, that's kind of what my thoughts are now, too. Isn't, isn't that funny? It's, there's only so many times that you can redo something before it's like, oh, yes, you have another one. Congratulations. Aren't you special? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that same kind of thing is true, yeah. Apple iPhone 5 cute, like, slow, condescending claps. It's, it's, that's what it is to me, at least. I don't know how about uh, any of your listeners might feel about that, but it's... Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know how my listeners would feel about that either. Maybe they should write in and tell us how they feel. See, that'd be really cool if your yeah. listeners would be more active and participate. Yeah, and then what I would do is when they do that, I would read some of the things they say on air, and I, you know, I would totally, like promote their own websites when they write in and tell me about stuff. You know, I, I would love to do that. So, yeah, maybe, so maybe you should, uh, should rant a little bit and send us in some stuff. Mail shows are always so much more fun. Yeah, definitely. So, so about the iPhone 5. So what we think we know is that it's going to have a 4-inch screen. It's probably going to have LTE. It's probably going to be global international LTE at that, so it'll be using a very complicated radio with so many frequencies and bands that you probably your your mind would just explode if you knew them all yourself. It's probably definitely going to be running iOS six, of course. There's probably some yet unannounced feature of iOS six. So last year, nobody knew about Siri until iOS five was released. So I'm guessing they're going to pull something similar to that. Like there's going to be a big thing that nobody else knows about yet that not even the um, developer builds of iOS 6 have in it. So it's going to be some new thing that nobody else knows about. So I'm thinking that's going to happen for the, for the new the new iPhone that's coming out. Um, we think it has a metal back but with glass edges. So like the top piece where the camera is and the bottom piece where the dock connector um, would be but on the back side of that. Um, we think that's going to be glass, except for the middle part, which is going to be metal, and that theoretically will prevent some breaking from happening. So when you drop your iPhone, your your $250 glass brick, it won't totally shatter into glass shards. It'll just mostly shatter into glass shards. Um, uh, every time that I hear about how like Apple's design... Design like ideas like how can we take aluminum and glass and make it look like the new Star Trek movie? Well, and then how can we make it look like the new Star Trek movie and yet make it so breakable? 
You know what? I think that they would not be able to develop a strong enough type of glass to withstand the abuse that iPhones go through, or any phone goes through. I mean, shoot, my, my, the HTC One X that I actually like first bought before I had to get it replaced, what happened was I was sitting at work, and it slid out of my hand, and it, it slid down, it slid down my leg, it hit the top of my work boot, did a somersault or two, landed on the screen on a small little grain of sand, and the entire thing, like, cracked. Like a, yeah. It was epic. You know, I had to put, like, you know, clear tape on it so that I was protected from my screen while I was still using it, waiting for my replacement. Right. So you can't, you can't just take a piece, like, hardware and shove it in a glass and aluminum enclosing and expect that to, to last. No, definitely not. Um, you seem to burn out after about a year. Well, and, and, I th- and I think that's a strategy of most manufacturers, too. Yeah, that's unfortunate. So what else do we know about this iPhone? I think we, that we know that it's going to have stereo speakers, so there's two speakers now, but they're so close together, I don't know if it really matters. Um, we also think we know that it's going to have a new dock connector, so that's, that's a new thing. So instead of having the 30-pin long, wide connector... It's going to have this dual-sided nine-pin nine connector, so you can put it in in either orientation, up, up or down. So that'll be nice. Um, it'll have a new processor that'll probably be called the A6. Um, it won't need so much graphics performance, but it will need some better CPU performance. So we we don't really know what to expect there. It may or may not have a better camera than the 4S. Probably a little bit better. So from an eight to a ten megapixel bump, but that's very subliminal and very pointless. Um, yeah, there's not too much about the iPhone, really, that we can say that we know, but that we don't know, I guess. I don't know. So it's, it's a weird thing. Do you think that they would have, like, a new iPod Touch to go with it? Well, funny that you might ask about the iPod Touch, since that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. Um, yes, an iPod Touch. So the last iPod Touch update, officially, was in 2010. Um... Last year, with the 4S event, we had a new iPod Touch, but it was just white. There was no updated internals, no updated camera, no updated processor, nothing. Just white. Uh, you know, they could have called that iPod Touch the paper white. It would have made a lot more sense and been a bit more ironic. Yeah, wouldn't it? Well, so uh, this year, I don't... So it's weird. So the iPod Touches have always lagged behind the mainstay features you know, the front, big, huge features of the uh, iPhone. So back years ago, when the iPhone got th- the front and back-facing cameras, the iPod Touch lagged two generations until it got even a minusculely bad rear-facing camera, let alone a front-facing camera. So the the iPod Touch now has a 0.97 megapixel back camera. 0.97 megapixels. How how incredible I am just you know by the y- you know what I can draw a picture that has like one megapixel resolution I can draw that <laughs> I mean that's how bad it is so it wouldn't even be able to like take a picture of a screenshot of like a Pokemon for like the Game Boy right exactly so that's it's just that bad so I mean I think for sure if we get new iPod touches. Here's here's my bet. I bet they won't make it a widescreen, or they won't use the new four-inch screen size for the iPod Touch. That's what I bet right now, this year. I would have to agree with you, because... If, because that's going to be the new big feature of the iPhone. They don't want to take away that glory. Well, and but I'm actually surprised that they're breaking, like, the 3.5 mold, because back 
I think back when like there was the iPhone 4S hype, they were like, well, these guys aren't going to break the mold because it's, like, it's such a recognizable size and it fits so perfectly in your hand. And I have to agree with you that that – I have to agree with the, them, those professionals, that uh, that 3.5 inches is, is a great size for a screen that you need in your hand. So this is going to be interesting watching the people who have spent all their lives getting new iPod and iPod touches and iPod phones all of a sudden having that extra 0.5 of an inch to throw them off. See a lot of get like you're going to have a lot new a lot of new damn you autocorrects popping up, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So um, my first Android phone was an HD, or was an LG Optimus V, and it had a 3.5-inch screen. Before I had that, I had the iPod Touch from 2010, which also had the 3.5-inch screen. But the iPod Touch felt so much bigger because it didn't have physical buttons except, you know, the home button, of course. Um, and it was just a big glass platter. Like, the, the bevel, you know, the black edges, that was under the glass anyway. Um... My phone, the 3.5-inch phone screen, it had a plastic bevel on the side, so it made the screen feel much smaller than it really was. My next phone, the, um, what was it called, Uh, Motorola Triumph, that piece of crap, that had a 4.1-inch screen, and it was so much bigger. I could see things. It was nice. And then my my, my current phone is uh, is an HTC Evo V, and it has a 4.3-inch screen, so 4.3, so that's, you know, it's been, you know, bumped up each time. And the first day I had it, I thought it was huge and I couldn't even hold it. So now, you know, after months of having it, I can I hold it just fine. But every time I pick it up, I think, man, this thing is so big, I might drop it. Yeah. Or like the, like the new uh, Moto Razor. Yeah. Like, why would you need a phone that big? I don't know. Like a 5-inch phone, I just don't know. What I would what I would use that for personally is to like wedge into car doors when you're trying to like, <laughs> like that that that's what it could be useful for to me. Right. Hate I'm just saying with the size and the shape, it'd be perfect. Yeah. But for the iPod touch, I just don't see them this year breaking the three point five inch size because they want the newest, best iPhone five to to retain its glory, to retain that bigness, to retain the the marquee feature, I guess. Um, they might upgrade the camera in the iPod Touch. I definitely think that's a possibility. You um, I mean maybe they won't upgrade it much? Maybe it'll just be a three megapixel, maybe five megapixel if they're feeling really generous. But that's still three to five times better than what you currently get. It it'll be orders of magnitude amazing better. Oh, just incredible! I just can't even. It's breathtaking how bad 0.97 megapixels is. It's hard to find something that's breathtakingly bad, too. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, so then, what else would an iPod Touch need upgraded internals? Um, A gig of memory, that would be really nice. It has 512 now, I think. Uh, That's a little bit low. Um, But it's an an iPod Touch, so then does it really matter? I mean, what do you want it to do, dance? (laughs) Yeah, that'd be entertaining. Yeah, I mean, that might make it useful. Um... I mean, it, of course, it'll need a new processor. I mean, it re- you can't really improve the screen much more, so, I mean, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it would just be nice to have a few things upgraded on it, but it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, well, it's just, with the way that Apple goes with releasing its products, it's easy to get disappointed with what they do and don't oh, have. Oh, man, it's so easy to get disappointed. For an example of this disappointment, please see your local iPhone store for an iPhone 4S. Seriously, it's 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 incredible. And, and I mean, I've got a friend who shall re- re- remain nameless. He is like 
a Steve Jobs fanboy, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, cosplayed at events as, as an Apple product. And he says that everything about it is so great, but you look at it and you're just like, I can't help but feel disappointed that I own something like this, all things considered with what's just been released. Well, you know, it's funny because I love the iPhone 4 hardware. Like, I love the shape. I love the design of it. It feels amazing in my hand. Like, my phone right now, when I squeeze it, I can feel parts of it flex a little. I mean, it's it's not metal. It's not glass. Glass and metal together have a really unique feeling in your hand. It feels amazingly great. Um, it feels solid. When I first picked up the iPhone 4 two years ago, what I said to my dad, who was standing next to me, it feels impossibly heavy for its size. It's incredibly heavy for its size. I mean, it's so dense, and it feels really great. I know people hate how heavy it is, but whatever. That's too bad. You know, like, it's, it's like the different... Well, I'm not even going to go down the road of comparing bullet types, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's something about having something. If it has good weight to it... Right, definitely. You just feel solid, like... That's the difference between a smart car and a truck. Why do you <laughs> a truck when you do a smart car when it's the same type of roll cage around you? Well, it's because the truck weighs a lot more. It doesn't sway in the wind. Exactly. If, you're, if, you, if you don't want to, like, you know, walk around and if you – let's say that you're talking and you're a very, like, handsy talker and your arms are flailing and in whatever mo- way they flail when you speak and you're holding your phone because you're in the middle of texting, if it's a light phone, it's just going to – and then, oh, look, it's out the window. It's a heavy phone. You're at least going to be able to hold on to it better because you're forced to hold on to it. Right. And that's nice. I mean, and, and the whole aluminum glass thing, I like that because it, it is a, it, it's a look that has flair. Right. So it's a smart design. It's just... I mean, I love how it looks. I love the design of it. But the software for me doesn't do anything personally for me. Um, so I'm not really a fan of iOS. I mean, it looks nice. It's great and all. But... Android for me works better. Uh, if, if I could get the Android onto the iPhone hardware, I'd be I'd be set. Yep. And what's what's funny about it is that like people are like, oh, you know, Siri, this is so epic because you know Siri can make sarcastic remarks back at you. Right. And it's, it's like, well, but everything that your iPhone does, my Android can do better. Well, I mean, I just don't care if my phone can sarcastically talk to me. That's that's the job of a human, not a phone. Exactly. I mean, that, that promotes contact if you can't get, like, your sarcastic feel from your phone. Right. And, and you know, it, it's better to me to have a, an operating system where you can be a developer for it and you don't have to pay a ridiculous fee. Well, or- so um, my, my high school computer teacher uh, asked me one day, so why don't you develop, like, an app for the iPhone or something? That'd be pretty cool. And it's like, sure. You know, like, uh, yeah, I could, I could do that, I suppose. And he's like... Well, it's only ninety nine dollars, and it's like, well, it's more like two thousand. I was like, really? I didn't. I thought it was just ninety nine. And it's like, well, I don't have a Mac. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I I definitely agree. Android development is a lot cheaper. Well, and then you also you have to go through like this approval process. Right. It's like you know, you, your app might not even see the light of day because somebody in the in, in the little like approval board's like, oh, I don't like it. Why? Because it promotes something I don't like. Right. Exactly. It's too much of a, a monopoly there. At least, yeah. with, at least with the Android systems, you know. If it doesn't, if nobody likes it, then nobody likes it. Nobody uses it, right? It's it's a little bit more market fair. And uh, the beauty of that is that then you can also you have you've got more of an incentive for a developer to develop for that thing because they can make the same profit minus initial startup costs. Right. Exactly. 
Well, so let's see here. We also have news that the iPhone 3GS, that old, horrible iPhone that nobody should have anymore, um, there's news of that being phased out when the iPhone 5 is released. And now think why this makes sense. The iPhone 5 will be out for the big 199 price. The iPhone 4S will be the, you know, substandard $99 price. And the iPhone 4, that lonely iPhone 4, that'll either be $59 or $49 or even free. So it'll be a good deal. Yes. So hopefully that horrible, crappy iPhone 3GS gets pushed out of the lineup and people will stop having those because they're horrible. I hate when I see people having them. I, I honestly, like, I can't, I can't see people wanting to stick with that for the very simple fact that it's total shit. Yeah. Inside of a aluminum glass enclosure. But not even really. I mean, it's plastic on the back and barely glass on the front. <sighs> what I think, I think it's, it's, it's smart for Apple to phase that out because yeah. they make, you know, the substandard iPhone 4S. They're going to make that, like, the, the go-to... Like, if you need a quick, you know, quick fix. Right. If you need a free, free, cheap iPhone, buy the iPhone for us. Definitely. I think that's fair. And it's, and it's, and it's being nice to their consumers. Yeah. They're, they're making a very smart move. Well, I mean, the iPhone 3GS is just such a bad phone because despite it being upgradable to, to iOS 6, like maybe two out of the eight new major features of iOS 6 not supported on that phone. Yeah. So what's the point? I don't know. Oh, well. There really isn't a point, but that's the case with most Apple products, isn't it? Yes. Well, if you need an Apple product, I, I might add, uh, and you're looking for the iPhone 4S, I mean 5, what am I talking about? The iPhone 5, if you're looking forward to that, you might be able to get it shipped to your door on the 21st of September because, according to FedEx, there's going to be a significantly high-volume spike the 21st weekend of uh, September. So... The twenty fourth, the twenty first to the twenty fourth, there will be tons, significant spikes in package shipments. I bet they're going to hire temp workers just to deal with. Oh that. man, they are. I mean, the fact the the you know the the main branch offices they'll be packed, and there will be extra trucks out. It's going to be amazing. I know, I know, I know some people who work for FedEx, and they're they are dreading these days. Yes, it's, and it's. I mean, that's just such a huge splash in the water, and. I mean, the the iPhone itself is just a huge thing anyways, so you have to expect that when FedEx says they're going to have a giant-ass spike, it, it, it'll have to correlate with an iPhone release. Yes, definitely. Uh, so last thing we have here for today is a story from CNN. Now, CNN um, is going on about how the iPhone is bigger than all of Microsoft. Your thoughts? One second, just got to get a couple more crickets in there. Okay. Um, Yes. Okay. <laughs> we can see that the iPhone gets $74.3 billion in revenue, whereas all of Microsoft gets $73 billion. Yeah. However, Microsoft owns 90% of the market when it comes to the operating system. Right. So you have to take it with a grain of salt because Apple products themselves, like the iPhone is there, and the reason it's so massively popular is because it's easy to use. And it's a nice phone. Microsoft doesn't have very many phones. They right. don't make their own phones at all, I think. Well, they make the OS for Windows Phone, but they don't produce any of their own hardware. Right, exactly. So so, so that's why the iPhone is automatically going to be bigger than all of Microsoft, because Microsoft doesn't have to deal with that crap. Well, so here's, here's how I look at this. There's two ways I look at it. 
So let's imagine today, right now, this instant, at 12, 17 a.m., all of the iPhones in the entire world disappear. Okay, so some people lose their job, you know, some developers, some, some people, support workers, people at Apple lose their job. Okay, that's bad. But now let's imagine simultaneously every single product that Microsoft has ever made suddenly disappears. The world just ends, literally, because subways, they lose all of their transportation because it's all powered by Windows servers. Major businesses just all lose their servers because it's powered by Windows. Every single terminal, every single office ceases to function. Everybody has to go back to typewriters. The whole world practically stops because Windows no longer exists, let alone all of the other technologies Microsoft has made. Well, but except for like a few eclectic like design studios where they're like, oh yes, we've got a Mac tower here. It's- well, but but what do you think early Macs were designed on? Because there weren't Macs before the Macs, there were Windows machines. So, you know, you just can't win. So without Windows, the iPhone even wouldn't be possible because the registers that, that Apple used in the uh, Apple stores before they had iPod touches, they were Windows-based machine <laughs> registers, cash machines. I love that. So... Without Windows, there would be nothing. And and that's that's the thing that we have to remember too is that that yes, you know, Steve Jobs did he did create an empire. You know, it started out as think different, you know, think from from Microsoft, and then it turned to think like me, think like Apple. But <laughs> he did he did create a massive corporation, but he did have to st- he did have to stand on the shoulders of Bill Gates. Right. Well, he did for a while until uh, Bill retired and Steve took over. So that, I mean, yes, I mean, you, you start in different places and you trade places. I mean, that's, that's, that's how business goes. And I just thought it was funny that CNN took such a nearsighted view of, oh, the iPhone totally is better than Microsoft. But, but this is like probably a normal person with a normal degree writing this. And though it's some money blog, it's, no, it's not, it's, no, it's an actual piece, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's by David, David Goldman from CNN uh, Money, I mean... I should expect more. Well, I, you know, and I don't want to rip rip on Mr. Goldman if if he would ever somehow find this podcast. <laughs> I, I doubt it's I doubt it's within his purview. You know, no, probably not. But I'm just saying that there's so many other ways to look at the value of both things. Yeah, but you know, and he he also has to write for the market and consumer too. So, well, obviously, what, it's a pay, a piece to enrage people yeah. like us. Well, but he also probably you know is an iPhone user himself, right? I wouldn't be surprised at that. No. Uh, but you know, at, at CNN, they all use Blackberries. Corporate policy. Oh, right. Yeah. So you have to wait 28 days to get an email. But right. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. God. <laughs> Don't, like, Blackberry is still somehow floating after that massive, like, cluster flux. Yeah. I mean, Blackberry, uh, they, they've uh, they've kind of gone gone away. I mean, uh, Blackberry 10, their they're new, new OS, new hardware. Not going to save them, really. You can't. Well, not after that, because like after that, you know, businesses were scrambling. You have all these professionals who are like, "Well, what the hell do I do now?" Yeah. Well, uh, that was a good thing to talk about. So, um, do you have anything else to talk about um, before we uh, go? Uh well, actually, I I I thought I did, but slipped away from me. Oh well, I mean that happens all the time. <laughs> exactly. I mean that this. That, that that's why you got to use spring pads so you can take down your notes. Damn, why did I think of that earlier? <laughs> well, that, that's okay. I'm sure I'll remember eventually. So, where can uh, where can our listeners find you out on the uh, vast and wide internet? Oh, vast and wide internet. Yeah. It's just, 
contain my fat ass, that's for sure. Um, so you can find me on Tumblr or Twitter and on Facebook. Um, my Tumblr is tumblr.com slash blog slash DJ Sven, like S-V-E-N. Okay. You'll find in my, my uh, stuff. Find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash DJ Svenchen, which is S-V-E-N-C-H-E-N. That's like a German way of saying Sven, but minuscule Sven. I chose that because if you see me in real life on this 5'11", you know, 280-pound massive piece of meat and bone, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash robin.pillman with two N's because I'm German. I see. Yes. Well, that's good. See, you, you've got your online identity flushed out really well. See, we need to get more people like that. Well, you know, I never did like, like, you know, Pink Pony with a Tail 69 as a username. You know, stuff like that, like like, like munchmyruckus at gmail.com would not have been a, a, an appealing uh, thing for me. Like, even my, my email, if anybody would ever want to come in contact with me, is robinpillman at gmail.com. It just makes more sense to do that. Oh, it de- and definitely right. does. Also have a Google Plus account. Um, somehow, I mean, I like Google Plus, but I just always forget that it's there. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. Honestly, <laughs> it's such a shame, but that's 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 what it is. So I'll put all of your links into the show notes, and of course, uh, you can find me, Ryan Rampersad, just about anywhere, especially on the Twitter, uh, Ryan Mr. On there, and of course, you can follow me on my link blog, which is uh, which is where I put all the links for this show and other shows I do here on the network. I I, I kind of just put them all there first and then bring them here and I talk about them there first and talk about them here after. Uh, you can find that at blog.ryanrampersad.com and of course this is at the Nexus. This is the premiere show of the Nexus. This is where we talk about tech news, technology, special events that are breaking and just amazing with tablets and 3G and 4G and glass platters that break instantaneously upon hitting a speck of dust. Cheesecake and vomit-covered chewed toys. Exactly. So, I mean, we, we cover the breadth of technology news and just ridiculous banter that you've been craving all week long. That's what we do here. Uh, we try to do this every Friday. We have other shows here on the network. We have The Universe with Sam Eberts. And, of course, we're actually starting a new show uh, soon about gaming, I believe, with Ian Buck and Ian Decker. Uh, that's oh. coming soon. So, hopefully, we'll look forward to that. And next week, we actually have a special treat. We have uh, what we have planned, actually, is a special event covering the Apple event, which is where they're going to be releasing the new iPhone. We have, allegedly, the extraordinary guest, Brian Mitchell, covering for that. So, that's going to be fun. He who shall not be named. Yeah? No, that... uh, Yeah. 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 Listeners, you will... will, will when you hear him speak about Apple, you'll remember what I said. That's right. See, see, I knew who you meant because, you know, that's what I do for a living. As soon as you meet him, like, if, if, if any of you folks who are listening would ever have the chance to meet him, you will, like, instantly, instantly be able to pick him out of a crowd. You will feel the Apple being bathed upon your body and soul. It's amazing. I love it. It's great. I love talking about stuff to people that actually know what they're talking about. So, um... In that light, thank you for being on the show this fine evening. My pleasure. We'll definitely have you on again since uh, you actually know what you're talking about. Oh, definitely in the right spots. We're talking about DJ software, DJ hardware, music-related crap. Yep. Technica. Eh. Yeah, out of Technica. Nobody knows that brand name. No one. Except people who do. Pay attention. <laughs>
Yeah. Well, I think that's about all. Awesome. Okay. Have a good one. And join us next week to listen to Matthew Futchell rant about his co-host. And more, all on the Nexus. And by the way, have a great day.